Uh, if you'll pray with me and for me, I'll pray with you and for you. We'll get started. Y'all, why are you come if you're all grumpy? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Uh, Lord, help me not to be grumpy. Um, I thank you so much just for people being here. And um, man, there are people in this room today that don't believe in you. But they believe in the person that they love that invited them. Uh, and that's a start. And I ask God that you'd move in a way that would break through the walls of their arrogance or their hurt and their brokenness. And that you'd reveal yourself to them, Lord, um, just in real and new ways. And I pray you'd help me to preach your word and only your word. And I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing? It makes up a little bit for the grumpiness. I'm not going to look at you, Luke. You've already told me. You will never smile during a sermon. I'll remember that. All right. <clears throat> See, he's still not. I'm going to do it. You better give me a fake smile, bro. I'll throw a podium. Which one of you asked about that? Someone asked in Real Talk, why do you threaten to throw podiums? Because you mean. So I just got to, like, threaten you to make you nice. Anyway, um, hey, if it's, you haven't been here in a while, it's our last. Uh, it's the last message in our series called The Best Life, in which we're discussing the idea of pursuing the best life. Um, a lot of times we sort of view God and this whole thing as sort of a philosophy, like Buddhism. And if you do it, then some decent things will happen maybe, but you don't really believe it, right? Um, or you kind of feel lost. I can't tell how many Christians I talk to that say, well, I just accept life sucks. I mean, life sucks, and when I die, I get to go to heaven, and that's the good part. And that is true. That is a good part. And if that was the only good part, I'm telling you, when that moment comes, it will be worth it. But... God promises us more than that. And a lot of times we're afraid to, to accept that. And we're afraid to believe that. Um, because he may not come through. So that's it. Today we're going to talk um, really about two things. I think there's two words. We've talked about a lot of different things. I'm going to tell you two things that we're going to find in Scripture. That if you have these two things, which you do. Here's the thing. These aren't things that you, necess- you have to even choose it chooses you. It's reality. The fact is, do you accept that and live out of it, or do you accept and live out of a lie? That's your choice. And the lie is the gray, the boring, the dull, the part that made you go to sleep at 20 and wake up at 50. And you'll go to sleep at 50 and wake up at 80. Have you guys ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Raise your hand. Bill Murray. You young folks, how about Happy Death Day? I think that's what it's called. There we go. Three of you. See, old people. You're old. Uh, just kidding. Happy Death Day. Yeah, so those of you who seen Happy Death Day, same premise. But I'm going to talk about Groundhog Day. You should watch that, young folks. It's still funny and cool. Jason, you've never seen Groundhog Day? Oh, okay. I am about to say, you've seen every movie in existence. So, uh, Groundhog Day has Bill Murray, who, by the way, is still to this day one of the funniest people alive. Younger folks, you probably only know him from Zombieland, and you think that's the only thing that he's ever been in. Not true. Um, so in the movie Groundhog Day, and there's some plot holes here, primarily we have no idea how this happened, but he wakes up and he realizes he's a newscaster. So he's a, the guy that goes, oh, hey, this is Bill on the streets, whatever. And he wakes up and the next day he's living the same day over and over and over again. So after the first few days in which he's like, this isn't real, you're playing a joke with me, he begins to kind of accept the fact that he wakes up at the same, goes to bed at the same time. Wakes up at the same, actually it doesn't matter what time he goes to bed, he wakes up at the same time every single day. So at first he likes it. It's a comedy. 
And uh, he does all kinds of crazy things. So he eats whatever he wants because he's like, I'm never going to gain weight. I'm never going to die of a heart attack. I'll just eat and do whatever I want to do because I'm going to wake up the same day. <sighs> he sleeps with all kinds of different women and does these shady things where he goes and like tries like a hundred times. We don't know how long he does this, hundred times. So he figures out the magic button to get to you ladies. That's creepy, isn't it? Right? He gets these ladies. He sleeps with all kinds of different women. And then he even, even punches people he doesn't like because he realizes there's literally no consequences here. I can do whatever I want. So he punches these guys. Eventually, however, and we don't know how long it goes on, he, it begins to get to him. So he starts doing other things to spice it up because it's the same thing no matter what. So he starts killing himself, dropping a toaster in the bathtub, driving a car off a cliff, all kinds of different things. Even that, though, right? If you could drive off a cliff and wake up the next day just to experience what it's like, would you do it? Of course you would. Well, some of you are like, no, I wouldn't. I bet you would if you lived the same day over and over and over again. I think he even shoots himself. It doesn't matter. He doesn't experience anything. As soon as he does, he wakes up the next day again. Same time, same day. Why? Why did he eventually want to die? He eventually accepted the point where he didn't care what happened. He started just saying what everyone was saying. Right? He comes up, and they try to talk to him. He's blah, 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 blah. You're going to say this. Move on. Whoever messed with my ear thing again, I'm coming for you. All right? This is... Uh, <clears throat> so, why does he hate it? Because even though... It seemed like he could do whatever he wanted with no consequences. At the end of the day, life is pointless. That movie's pretty deep. Think about it. He eats what he wants, drinks what he wants, pursues women, pursues doing the best job he can in a career, meets all the different people, uh, takes vengeance on the people he wants to take vengeance on, sleeps with whoever he wants to sleep with. Man, doesn't that sound like a lot of people's lives? Drugs, whatever else it is, right? Anything to spice up the normal. Some of you, though, would probably just wake up, go to work, come home, eat your dinner, go to sleep, and do it all over again, because that's what you're doing. One of the saddest stories to me, if you're a close friend of mine, I talk about this all the time, and it, it haunts me. It haunts me, because I did wake, I did go to sleep at 20, and wake up at 21 like I am today. Anyway, I, life has passed so fast, and I wasted years, right? I went, I, my two, I call them my two depressing times in life, like real depression, not the stuff where you like stub your toe and you're like, I'm depressed, because a lot of you young folks, that's what you do now. Oh, I'm depressed, I stub my toe. Oh, I'm just kidding. Pain is real. But in those two moments of my life, I, I was content, right, when you're really depressed to do the same thing, and I wasted a lot of time. And I've come up, though, with this idea, I've always had this thought in my head, this, that there's some guy out there who's retired, okay, and he, and he could be me, and he sits in his lazy boy, eating his TV dinner, and he's worked a good life, and he gets his pension check, and he's just waiting to die. He's done the same thing over and over and over again, right? He waited his whole life to get married. He got married, and he waited his whole married life to get the house and then to have the kids, right? Because once you have the kids, life's great, and then you have more kids, and then the kids leave. And then if I can just get to retirement, life's going to be great. And then he's retired, and then it's like, oh, life is still just life. That is heartbreaking to me. I'm scared to death of it. I'm serious. The idea that that, that becomes life. Get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch TV, go to sleep. Get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch TV, go to sleep. Get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch TV, go to sleep. Repeat, repeat, repeat. That's why some of you are so angry all the time. Because somebody wakes you up to the reality that your reality is just a rerun. And some people add some things in there, kind of like Bill Murray. I'm going to try something different. 
I don't want to really live, right? But at the end of the day, you're still living the same day. So what they do is like, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to have kids. Buy the car. I told you that. Nothing wrong with that. That's all beautiful and good. God put us here to do that. Enjoy it. That's good. But then the rerun, it just becomes another rerun. So what do we do? I get a bigger house. I get a bigger car. I get a four-wheeler. I get a golf membership. I don't know. (laughs) Right? I have more kids. I buy nicer clothes. I get a fancy watch. I get an Oculus. Right? I don't know, whatever it is, because then I can live a virtual rerun. Repeat. Some people begin to buck and try different things, just like Bill Murray. Okay, you know what? This whole rerun thing's not working, so I know what I'll do. I'll get a different job. It's really the same job, just a different name. Get up, go to work. I'll get some more nice things. I'll climb the social ladder. You know what? What if I repeat the entire process with a different person? I'll just get a new spouse. And then some people go all the way to the end. Well, I'm just going to end this. There's nothing more than this rerun. There's nothing more than Groundhog Day. Repeat. Rerun. Some people in this life, and I put maybe, I'm going to change that. And in this room, typically you're the grumpy ones. I get it. Because people don't want to be woken up. Because if you're woken up, you got, for some reason, a lot of times we focus on the fact that we've wasted time instead of the time we still have. So many people in this life, and maybe in this room or in this room, have allowed themselves to, be con- to become content with reruns. See, when you're young, you're not listening. You go, because i got all that stuff to look forward to. Take it from me. It's the same thing. You know why old people are grumpy? Your parents are grumpy a lot of times because they've accepted that, that if the great dream you're being sold, I'll go to college, I'll get a nice car, I'll get a boyfriend, girlfriend, I'll marry him. At the end of the day, there's, you're wanting more. Trust me. A lot of people in this room and in this life have allowed themselves to become content with reruns. I love The Office. Okay? I've watched that entire series probably I don't know how many times. Right? But even I, to the point sometimes now, it's just noise, right? I've got to take a little break from the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe not the office. But they don't believe in a more. You don't believe in more. And that's why you're really sad at the end of the day. Listen, I get it. You're already here, and this is just a guy talking. You've heard it over and over and over, and you've got the temptation to not listen to me and point out all the weird things about me and how I'm grumpy, whatever. At the end of the day, this reality is still reality. Your reality is still reality. People, they don't believe in anything more. So they don't pursue the best life because what is the best life? I already did the good life, the American dream. That's not the best life. They don't pursue the best life because everything feels empty. It's all rinse and repeat. Groundhog Day reruns. Here's the thing. If you're in this room and that's you, and by the way, we all have days that are Groundhog Days. Every single one of us. I know I do. But listen, you are made for more. You are. You are made for more. I got Holy Spirit goosebumps. I don't say it all the time. Just saying that phrase. Because it's true. You are made for more. You're made for more than just a pension. You're made for more than just a good job. By the way, those are great things, man. I'm all about, hey, I love ambition. I love drive. I love climbing. I love proving things wrong. That's part of the beauty of life. But listen, you're made for even more than that. You're made in the very image of God. There it comes. 
a Christianese word. That's what it's going to be about an image of God thing. Blah, blah, blah. That proves you're not listening. Well, if God was real, why did he show himself to me? He's not made in your image. You're made in his. You're made in the very image of God. Walking statues of God's glory. You see us, we said that. Walking statues of God's glory. Let that sink in. That who you are as a human being, you're like, man, I ain't very godlike. I don't, you know, like me, if you're like me, you got a big ear, big earlobe, whatever. At the end of the day, you are made that way. You are made to reflect God's glory. And when people look at you, they go, that person is so unique and amazing, it makes me believe in a creator. Did you know that? I have met people in my life that by their very presence makes me believe in a good God. You think that you were knit in your mother's womb just to live reruns? The Bible says God knows every hair in it. Is that what you think? He's like, you know what, I'm going to make this person for Groundhog Day. No. The world wants you to believe that the pursuit of nice, safe, gray, dull reruns is the best that you can and will ever have. And it's hard. Listen, that's another reason why we have to come together. Do not neglect to meet, as is a habit of some, encouraging each other all the more as the day draws near. But you don't need anybody, man, because you remember reruns. People want you to, this world wants you to believe that you're nothing more than a rerun. You're a nameless ant in God's big ant farm. That's it. That's all you are. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian in the room, I'm talking to you today, right? If you're non-Christian, it's a fact for you too. It's not one of those things. Sometimes you're like, yeah, that's nice if you believe that. It doesn't matter. Like it's a reality whether you believe it or not. So I'm going to tell you the truth. But those that have already said you put your faith in Christ, this is for you because you, you say you believe, but you don't live in this. God says otherwise. He says you are made for more, more than a rerun. There, there are two simple facts, I told you at the beginning, that if we'll just accept and believe and allow to direct our life, he, it will make our life feel like the complete opposite of reruns. It will show you the truth. What I'm about to tell you is the truth. That you are living in an adventure. I'm serious. An action movie, a thriller, an epic, a suspense, a mystery. I'm telling you right now, you are actually living the Netflix show that you're binging. Just not without, just no vampires. Right? Don't act like you ain't watched a vampire show. You are an epic creation living in the greatest and most epic adventure that's ever been conceived. And even as I say that, some of you are like, that's so corny. You're corny. Anyway, that's because you're so used to reruns that any time you hear something more, you don't reject it because it's corny. You reject it because you're afraid to be let down. You're like, my life doesn't feel that way. You know something that will blow your mind? I told some of my friends, Remnant House guys have heard this, and I still, sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. If I took your life and I put it in the Bible... I'm serious. Oh, they're like, oh, boy, there's some bad stuff. Go read David. He did some terrible things. If I put your lie, put it in the Bible, right? Hey, let's go read chapter one of the book of Jill. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to read it like it's an epic. You're going to read that book and go, holy moly, can you believe what happened to her? She still praised God? Yeah, you're going to have the parts you're like, I can't believe she did that, and God still loves her. She still loves God. The only difference is you're not in a book, but you are. Ooh, that's deep. Book of life. You're in or out. Anyway, that's corny because you're used to reruns. 
Let's see what God says. Listen, having life, I told you two words. I'm going to give you two words. Having a life that's not just reruns is about two words. So if you take anything from this, you need two things, two words for your life to be more than reruns. You need purpose and you need passion. If you have purpose and passion, your life cannot be a rerun. It's complete opposite. And you have both of those things. I'm not very passionate. Yeah, it's in you. You just begun to believe it's not. Having a life that's not just reruns is about two words, purpose and passion. We're going to jump. We're going to have, I got, I believe, three verses for each section. So we're going to talk about purpose. And one of them, you Christians, you ministry-serving, Bible-loving, church-attending Christians, you're the ones that are going to literally zone out right here because you've already been told it all. I already know. You know it. You know it. And as soon as I say this verse, you're going to be like, I'm going to finish it before he does it. Like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Mm. That's you. Get it? You're finishing my words before I start. Here we go. Matthew 28. Luke, you know what I'm going to say? 19 and 20. Got one. Mm. Smile. That's it, boys. See ya. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. When you got it, say God. I'm reading from the ESV today. I apologize for switching it up on you, but... I almost said Arnold's name for the first time, and I didn't, because I know he would hate that. I did it anyway. Anyway, go, uh, go Matthew 28, 19, and 20. When you got to say, I got it. All right, it's going to be on the screen for you. Tricked you. This is Jesus. After his death, after his resurrection, before his ascension. Those are fancy words. After he died, after he came back to life, and after he went to be with the Father, before he returns. Literally ascended in the clouds. Listen, Todd, that sounds crazy. So does the fact that we're on a rock that floats in space around the sun. But you believe that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Man. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, you took too long. <laughs> Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So let's read that again since that was very awkward. Here we go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're not a Christian in the room, I'm cool with you. I'm not really cool. It makes me sad that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But if you're a Christian in the room and you say, I'm a believer, you need to accept what's happening in this sentence, these two sentences. There's a lot of amazing things here. Jesus' last command, this is the last command he gives. And I love it. He gives the command and then he gives a promise. Oh. <laughs> That's that Holy Spirit stuff. Last command, of all the things he could say, he could be like, make sure... That you give money to my people, right? Make sure that you take care of the poor. All that's good. All that's true. Why doesn't he say take care of the poor? Because if disciples will take care of the poor. Disciples will love, right? Disciples will do those things. Disciples will give. Disciples will go to church. You see, it starts with that. You can try to make people go to church. That doesn't make a disciple. A disciple goes to church. You, can't, you can get people to give an offering. It doesn't make you a Christian, right? But a Christian, a disciple, will do these things. His last command is to go and make disciples, and yet we live like it's a side note. Right beside don't cuss and go on mission trips to build houses. 
You ready to, now, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. It's not wrong to build houses. Love it. Water, those are tangible things. I'm all about tangibly living the gospel. Are you ready for this? Have you ever asked yourself, what's the real purpose of a mission trip? Well, it's to give water to God. No, no, no. You know, Jesus said, listen, you take a drink of this water, you're going to be thirsty again. You take a drink of the water I'm offering, and you'll never be thirsty again. Let me give you a little phrase. Missions, mission trips should be the gospel in action. It should make people, you build a house and think about it. We go, if you do it right, if you're going and just having vacation, you need to find a different mission group. Okay? It shouldn't be about you having fun on the beach. I'm just being real with you. It shouldn't be centered around that. But you go and you do that. Imagine that. Because what it should be is like you go and you do this and these people say, why are you doing this? What are they actually seeing? There are groups of people, I guarantee you, that when they see, they accept it. Great, this guy's going to build us a house. But really, they're just on vacation building a house. Versus, you came here, you're sweating, you're, you're sacrificing. Why are you doing this for us? Because you are worth it. Why? Because God made you. How, what do you mean? He made you enough that he, and cares about you enough that he would die for you. So me coming here and sweating is nothing compared to what the Father has already done for you. It's the gospel in action. It's all about the gospel. It's all about the good news. All of this without the gospel is a creepy cult that leads nowhere. It's a social club, not even a cult, because at least a cult has a purpose. Even if it's just to make me rich, it's got a purpose. A social club's about, hey, we come and we pretend that we're doing good things. See, I could burn a lot of bridges. So I worked for nonprofit organizations, and I had to go to a lot of, uh, what do they call those? What do they call them? No, I did go to those too. Huh? <laughs> We're just going to keep saying things. Groups, uh, what are they called, man? Community groups, right? I don't want to say their names because then they're going to think I'm insulting them. But groups of people that are for a purpose to serve in the community, what they're really called is networking groups. You guys want to know what networking is? Networking is just having a, I shouldn't say this, having a made-up reason to exchange business cards. Now, if I went to one of those meetings and you're watching, I probably enjoyed it. I'm cool with me. Like, I would rather they tell me some of them. Not all of them. Some of them were built around it. Some I went to really did have passionate people in the community. But a lot didn't. They didn't. And I wish they'd just say, because I would have the, you know, our board would be like, hey, Todd, you need to go. Like, let's be real. I'm a nonprofit. Why are you sending me there? Because uh, Bob from Bob's Appliances got a lot of money. Right? And somehow, it's such a, it's, this is a side note. You know how stressful that is for me? So I come into this networking event, and I'm like, hi, I work for an organization that loves youth and takes care of them. Bob, would you like to talk about that? And Bob's like, dude, I'm just here to get a connection to transport my vacuum cleaners faster. I mean, what do I have to offer Bob? But somehow I'm supposed to get money from him. Anyway, it's just a vent. But these groups, that's, that's what church is. That was a long aside. What church, is, what church is without the gospel is just that. And I've always said this. I've always, always said this. I missed out on so much. If you were raised in the church, I joke a lot. Man, you are so blessed. Please take it from me. You are so blessed. You are. You've been given. Even if you're like the bad stuff, I'm telling you right now, the good things that you picked up, if all you picked up were the traits that you picked up, that is worth it. That is good. Take it from me who had to learn differently later on. But 
I think one of the challenges sometimes is, is that it becomes just that. That's what you do. It's not who you are. To some of you, you show up, even here at the remnant. And by the way, remnant folks, some of you are getting a little arrogant, like, oh, we the remnant. We'd be different. Are you? So the gospel in action. We we're, we're, go there for make disciples of all nations. Let me ask you a question. You ready? How am I going to make you raise your hand? Imagine you're imaginary raising your hand. You're a Christian in the room. I'm a believer in Christ. You ready? You're going to love this. I was encouraging. How many people in this week have you actually told and explained the gospel to? And there's the frowns. This week. Cool. This month? This year? Well, I went and did this, and I served and gave blankets and gave, and that's all great. That is truly Listen, I love, I've always said this, the, the, the commands to love our neighbor, it's separate, right? We love regardless of whether they accept the gospel. A lot of times we come in and we're like, I'm going to love you and give you a blanket. Now you have to accept Jesus. Like, that's not how it works. We love regardless. But I'm going to ask you a question. Which one's easier, giving a blanket or telling someone a truth that's going to make them face their sin? Well, Todd, people are called. Listen, it doesn't have to be either or. You're, making, you're justifying, and I'm talking to myself. How many people in the last week... Have you explained the gospel to? Even said the gospel to? I've talked to some believers that don't even know how to tell someone the gospel. Which is odd, because if you come to this church, I say it every week. That should convict you, because I already know. I know. You got the excuses, right? I already know you do. Well, I'm busy, and I do this, and I serve in ministry. Do you think the fact that I preach every week and say the gospel to all of you somehow removes the fact that I'm supposed to make disciples of all nations? This doesn't count for my quota of making disciples. The verse actually gets translated and should be translated, as you go. The idea being that as I walk along life and I go to the grocery store and I go to the mailbox and I go to my neighbor's house and I play basketball and I coach and I go to work, that everything we do, we make disciples as we go. Jesus did it. Well, I'm going to offend people, okay? Offend them and maybe save their life, not offend them and let them die. So I asked you that question. How many people have you told? Now you ready? Would your life look like a rerun if you were telling people the good news as you go? No, it wouldn't. Because some people would get offended. And some people would accept it. And you might have nine times that crazy things happen and you get spit on. That's why scripture, see, a lot of you in this room and me too, we ignore the parts of scripture where it talks about persecution because you want to know why you're not persecuted? Because you're not doing anything that is deserving of persecution. You're not saying anything, but imagine you go tell 10 people and somebody spits in your face, cusses at you. See, we say, Lord, I would stand for you, but you're not even willing to tell someone about Jesus and maybe lose respect in the eyes of a coworker. Well, I can't do that at work. Yes, you can. Maybe out of 10, nine of them, you know, probably seven of them just kind of look down on you, mock you a little bit, or, you know, six of them. Two of them, two of them kind of like uh, actually listen, but they're not, you know, they, they like you. So they ask questions, they're interested, and they don't accept it. One of them spits in your face, calls you names, cusses at you, does the thing where you guys feel like you have, you know, it's so funny. You know why some of you don't share the gospel? Because you feel like you have to be God and answer every question from that person. Hey, have you ever heard the gospel? Yeah, well, why does bad things happen to good people? I don't know. You can ask God when you go before him in judgment. 
Because you will regardless. You don't have, you don't carry the burden of proof. You understand? You're not an attorney in a court of law. You get stressed out because you get into this apologetics battle with people. But that guy spits in for one. What if one that week accepts Christ and you change your life? What if that one was me? Or you? I think about that all the time. People come and say, man, like I haven't even done a lot of cool things, but I've gotten the privilege of leading some people to Christ. And by that I mean I just tell them Jesus, right? If someone hadn't told me, I wouldn't have told them. You see how it multiplies? So if you're not telling people, you're cutting off the multiplication. You want life to be more? Quit being a chicken and start telling people about Jesus. Well, I'm going to be that weird Jesus guy. As long as you're consistent in it, they will respect you. I played football every team, you know, at the, like, fourth highest level, all right? I, I, I played pro ball, and that's a different culture, okay? And I was the weird guy. But you know what? And there were times I got mocked, right? Anyone wrestling fans? Okay? They made fun of me and called me Scott Steiner one time because my, uh, my shirt was too tight because I had to go buy a dress shirt. You had to wear a tie into these games. And anyway, it really hurt my feelings. Uh, any. <laughs> But my point is this, I got made fun of, you know, hey, man, we're going out to drink, we're going here, this man, I'll never forget, I tell this story all the time, one of the guys I played with, older than me, he's like, hey, man, his wife's there at the game, I had a girlfriend at the time, um, and he goes, hey, after the game, I got these girls I just met, why don't you come up to the hotel room, blah, 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 and I, in my mind, I go, I did say, I go, dude, wasn't your wife just here today, trying to subtly, he knew where I stood, and he goes, oh, yeah, man, but she's leaving tonight, right, that's, the, I mean, and that's normal. I missed out on things by not doing it, but over time you gained respect. You gained respect. That's with anything. That's just an example. I'm telling you right now, people will at least respect, and sometimes your example in the face of adversity and persecution is the testimony. There's so many incredible historical accounts. I, I never remember which apostle it is, but the one always sticks out to me is they take one of the apostles out on ice or a believer, right? You remember the Roman soldiers, they're going to kill him. And they say, well, we won't kill you if you'll just renounce Jesus. He's on his knees, and he refuses to do it. Praise for them. And the Roman, the, the leader of the Roman soldiers that's there gets down on his knees beside him. In that moment, he says, why? He goes, if you're willing to die for this God, then it has to be real, and I am too. They died together. That's, I mean, that's a historical fact. Think about that. Just from someone's passion and example. But you don't want to offend someone at work? I get it. That's not to shame you. Remember, you are the one that knows the truth. Even if they act like they're pitying you, you're not the one that deserves pity. Would your life look like a rerun if you're telling people the good news as you go? Of course not, because even if it's bad, it's a good story. Right? No? Do you want me to throw a podium? Yes, it's a, it would be epic either way. That's a fact. We're going to keep moving on with this same theme. This verse is interesting. So we, you have a purpose. I'm about to tell you. Everybody knows that one. I'm going to give you more, though. Let's go on. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. This one has literally made me, I remember the first time I read this. Go ahead and put it up, man. He's scared to death now to move. All right. How then, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth. Just kidding. See if you're paying attention. It's Rome. Romans, he's not talking to the church in Corinth, tricked you. How will they call on him 
in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's not talking about me up here on a stage under lights at a podium. That always hit me. He talks about the gospel before this. He's like, it's going to save people. Here's the gospel. And he said, but how are they going to be saved if they've not believed and they can't believe in something that they've never heard of? And they won't hear of it unless someone goes. How often do you live in the example of like, well, they've heard it before. I was raised in America, U.S., same as you, a small town. 17 years of my life, I never heard the gospel. That's a fact. Yes, I heard of Jesus. Yes, I'd heard of God. I had never been told the gospel. And I, was a, I wasn't a bad kid in the sense of the word, so that's probably why you, you would have walked by and thought I did. You and I have been chosen as the bearers of this good news. I know, I would have picked different too than me, all right? But the fact is, we've been chosen. We know the cure to the disease of sin, the disease of death. You know the cure, right? How many of you, if you walked by and saw someone dying of cancer, and you knew where they could go right down the road, in fact, you carried a bag with you that had a, a it's not even a shot, it's a pill, because it doesn't hurt in the moment. I guess it does. You've got to reject yourself. Would you just walk by and go, eh, someone else will tell them. Someone else will give it to them. That's what you do every day when you walk by and assume someone will tell them. How many people walked by me in my 17 years of life and assumed I knew or assumed someone was going to tell me? And if I'm honest, it's longer than that because after a saved gave me a New Testament, I went to church a few times because they told me to. Nobody talked to me. Nobody discipled me. Nobody taught me. Any. That's a fact. They had no interest in that, even though I was carrying around my new believer's Bible. Not a single person asked me my story. Not a single person asked me uh, where I got saved. Not a single person invited me to a Bible study. Never happened. Do you? Do you walk by? We know you need to understand how powerful this is. Imagine it's written to you. How are they going to hear if you don't go? I think it's crazy, you know. I'm called to the mission field, you know. I, that's good, right? And by mission field, you mean a two-week trip. And you want to raise money for that. And I think that's, again, great, guys. I, I, I'm all about this. I really am. So don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But, man, you can for free go talk to your neighbor. Or the guy in this church that comes every week that you don't really know if he's saved. He just keeps coming. He must be saved, though, right? Because he, he goes... Here sometimes. I went to church a few times too. How powerful is that? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? You've been entrusted with this gift, this mission. Let that sink in. Would it be a rerun? If you woke up every day and said, I'm going to meet someone today whom I've been entrusted with life to give to them. Would it be a rerun? You live in a rerun right now? You ready to go home? Some of you don't say yes, I can see you. All right. You hurt my feelings. What it all boils down to. So you want to know the reason? I'm going to come to this. Romans 1.16. Yo, we got, any, we got any 116 fans in here? That's where it Some of you are like, they like that number. It came from this originally. <laughs> all right? Romans 1.16. When you got it, say, I got it. 
I love the sound of Bible pages turning, man. I love it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to my neighbor, to my coworker, to my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Would you be ashamed to give water to someone dying of thirst? Would you be ashamed of giving a piece of bread to someone starving? What would life look like? And I'm about to probably hurt your feelings or upset you, but unless you said yes to the last week, I'm going to say that. This hits me too. What would look like? What would life look like if you weren't ashamed of the gospel? Because tell the truth, you are. You are. You're ashamed of Jesus. We accept it in those moments. It doesn't mean your entire life's characterized, but you are. How do I know? You just told me you haven't talked about him to someone that doesn't know him in a week. If I'm going to be real enough to tell you those moments when I'm sitting and getting my hair cut, right, and I have that opportunity to talk about Jesus, and I feel that weird, awkward feeling of like, I'm going to look stupid, and I'm a, literally a pastor, where does that come from? There are times I don't, weirdly enough, and I, I, this is being very transparent. I'm sitting there like, what do you do for a living? I have this moment of like, I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor. And I tell myself it's because they'll treat me different. Sometimes it is, but that's not the only reason. I'll be the weirdo, right? You'll notice how they talk to you differently, don't they? I'm ashamed of him in that moment. It's like him being in the room and saying, do you know him? Peter, right? Hey, aren't you with him? I don't know that man. What would life be like if you were not ashamed of Jesus? Would it be a rerun? How many miracles would the disciples, the apostles have missed if they were ashamed to walk with him? Because we can sit here and judge them, but boy, they did put up with a lot. I I think I've sometimes made it to like, these guys were, you know, they're idiots. I'm like, yeah, man, we would have ran off the very first time they threatened us. At least Peter followed him as close as he could. How, what would life look like if you weren't ashamed of the gospel? I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't be Groundhog Day. You'd be living that crazy life. What if you didn't value your image more than the life of your friends, families, and coworkers? Your sisters, your brothers? We say that we believe in God, the living God, and yet we, there are some people in this room that have not even said the name of Jesus in a week, two weeks, a month. And you justify it by saying, well, they should see it by how I live. Why? Because you say thank you once or twice when the rest of the people don't? That's great. We're going to get to that. That is good. Man, don't fool yourselves. Why did Paul put that? I, <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he says, why? Because <laughs> it's the power of life. Why are you ashamed of life, of the cure, of peace and love and joy? Why are you ashamed of that? Why am I? You have a purpose. Quit being ashamed of it. Step into it. And don't do the thing where you write down, okay, and walk out of here, and by the time you eat your sandwich and leave here, you've already forgotten it. Rerun. That's what's funny, man. We hear these sermons all the time. I know it, I know it. And I was like, man, you've heard it a hundred times and still haven't changed. I'm talking about those that have the Holy Spirit. You know how wild is it that when you don't change, you can tell yourself all the lies you want. You're just not choosing to. What if you weren't ashamed of the gospel and of Jesus? 
All right, the second word is passion. Now, this one I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I'm going to give you something that's going to be, I think it's simple. I'm not, it's not some big epiphany, but I think it will make you kind of, it makes me smile. All right, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Go ahead and throw it up. When you got to say I got it. <laughs> if you looked on the screen, that's cheating. <clears throat> this is Jesus. He's talking, it's after the Beatitudes, right? We talked about this in the Kingdom series, and he says this right after. It's so interesting. Here we go. He says, you, he's talking to these people, his disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, out and trampled under people's feet. That makes sense, right? If salt has no taste, like what do we do with the kind of salt we don't put in our soup? We throw it on the ground to melt snow and we trample on it. It means nothing. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You. A lot of times we're like, the church. No, you. Individually. You are a city set on a hill. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. That's, I, I like that. He says, not only do we not put a basket on it, you don't just even leave it on a table. If you really want light, we put it on a stand. We put it high. So it gives light what? To as many people as it can reach. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. That's so good. We put it on a stand so it can give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. This is huge. Stay with me because I know you say you've heard this. Listen to this sentence in the context. In the same way, let your light shine before others. In what way? Like a, like a lamp that's in a house on a stand to reach everyone in the house. That's the way your light should be. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, you ready for this? Your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I just said it earlier. Live in such a way that your light points people to God. Salt of the earth. What does that mean? That's so weird. Does that mean melt snow? No. You are the only tasty thing in a grotesque, disgusting, gross soup. You are. Without you in the soup, this is worthless and it should just be thrown out. Without the salt, the soup would be thrown out. You see, God puts the salt in the soup hoping that it all becomes good and tasty. For God does not want to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Light of the world. If you take out light, if it's the light of the world and you're not here, what do you have left? What? Darkness. Yeah, be confident. You know the answer. Without light, it would be cool if I shut the light off right now and blocked the windows and started a fire. I'm just kidding. I was, trying to, I was just saying if you're paying attention, ignore the fire part. But my point is, yeah, if you take the light out of this room, it's dark. What is it in the dark? Some of you will never admit it. You still sprint, right, from your bed, from your bed to the light switch. Or you come to the, say, hey, hey, honey, go down to the basement. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the basement. <laughs> light switch is not working. I'll go tomorrow, right? It's scary in the dark. People bump into things in the dark. They hurt themselves in the dark. Bad people do bad things in the dark. You are what? The only light in this dark world. 
Do you not accept that? Jesus himself said it, the one whom you've put your faith in. It's, this, is not a, this is an analogy that's speaking to a truth. It's not an analogy that's just an analogy. You are the light of the world. Take you out, and this place is dark and devoid of hope and light. Todd, are you saying we should worship me? No. Okay? He has chosen us to carry the good news and the light. You can laugh. That was funny. But that's how they sound when they make those ridiculous arguments. You're saying blasphemy. You didn't listen. Right? <sighs> and there's like real blasphemy out there. Nobody talks about that. City on a hill. That's an interesting one. City on a hill. Using their own Roman Greek analogies to understand a city on a hill, right? America just wanted to be a city on a hill back in the day. What does that really mean? It didn't mean a Christian. It means an example, a place to go, right? If I live in the wilderness, safety is in the city. I want to be the city on the hill. I want to get to the place of safety. I want to get to the place. That place shows me how to be. That place has light all over the place and dark, right? You're driving after long, and all you see is nothing, and then you see your destination, and the light's off, and the distance. You're like, oh, my goodness, finally I can rest. That's you. A lamp on a stand. I love that. Jesus is so awesome. Why do you not appreciate him? He doesn't just say, you're a lamp like was in my dorm room that's half, like I had a, I had a lamp with a light bulb, right, that was, the, the cord had come up and it was just hanging over like this. And I would sometimes have to pick it up, just the light bulb part, and like shine it around because it was broken and I was poor. And it's still, anyway, I wasn't poor, right, compared to the world. But that's a real story. I think I still have that lamp. You don't know that, but I guess I think I do. <laughs> Yes, I did when I lived with you, but maybe I got rid of it by now. Anyway, I didn't. Uh, lamp on a stand, right? He's saying you are a lamp that isn't, you don't, you're not that broken lamp. You're one that's sitting up. You're the only lamp on a stand giving light to everyone in the room. Take you out, and they don't have light. Now, we'll come back to that because I'm going to attach this next one with that. I just want to explain it. Ephesians 2.10. Ah, this is an exegetical. I know, stay with me. For we are his workmanship. That means he made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. By the way, if I look at you a lot, this means either you're a friendly face or a grumpy face. It's one or the other. Most of the time, it's friendly. Okay? So you should be, <laughs> some people are like, why does he always turn towards me? You're a friendly person. All right? You look like you're listening. Or you're really grumpy, and I'm just seeing if I can get one little from you. I never can. Anyway, <laughs> imagine if I never looked at the grumpy people. For we as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, let me tie this together. Purpose and passion. Todd, what do you mean? This sounds crazy. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, right? You're a lamp on a stand. You're a city on a hill. You were created by Christ to reflect his light, his glory, his purposes, and to do good works for people. What if you walked in goodness in your day-to-day -day life? What if you viewed, when you go to work, that you were the only salt in that place? What if you viewed it as a holy crusade without all of the, you know, murder, right? If you viewed it as, this is my opportunity to go in there and, and ma tangibly make a difference in someone's life. 
to tangibly go in there and I'm going to look for ways to show them light. Not wait for it like you're some sort of king, right? You're a king, but you're a king in the, in the image of your father, of the true king who is a servant. You don't demand to be served, but that's what we do. I'll do good if someone asks me. No, you look for it. If you walked into every situation and said, I'm going to bring the salt, I'm going to bring the light, what if you brought love into hateful situations? What if you brought grace into unforgiveness? What if you brought kindness into cruelty? What if you brought light into darkness? Because it's there, isn't it? You're going to tell me you don't see it at your workplace? You don't tell me you don't see it at your family reunions? Yes, you do. You know you do. And the temptation is to get frustrated and mad and get sucked into it. What if you said, I will be in this household. I will be the lamp on a stand. And if the only light comes from me, then so be it. What if you put the new roll of toilet paper on the empty roll? You kind of laugh, right? But that's a real thing. It's just a little, please do that. I do that plenty. I've been accused of not. Anyway. <laughs> right? What if uh, you brought a Coke to your coworker that loves Coke? He didn't ask you. You just brought it to him. The grumpy guy. What if you went up to the guy who's always angry and said, hey, man, you're doing a good job today. I guarantee he's going to say, you mu- What? That was him about to cuss. What if you did that? Would it be a rerun? The problem is you don't really want to be salt because salt doesn't taste like the rest of the soup and light doesn't look like darkness. And if you're sitting on a hill, you can't hide. And it's just easier to, to go along, to get along, right? Right? This isn't a game, man. Why, why, your stuff is just as serious and just as important to Jesus as when Peter was going around healing people. Why is my faith dry? Because you don't do anything with it. What if you respected your husband? There it is again. I know I'm setting you up for the, for the series that's next. Oh, boy. Right? What if you loved your wife? What if you honored your parents in whatever way you could? Walk in goodness. Be like, start accepting the fact that you're different. Remember, I told you that raised in the church, you guys are different. I remember you being different. And yeah, I resented you sometimes because I wasn't safe, so I'd focus on the times you were hypocrites. But I also, it made me mad that you were better than me because you were at times, and I'm not talking about better than me as in value, better than me in your actions. You didn't get as angry as the, the real ones, didn't get as angry as I did as quickly. They, you did nice things, even to the suspicious and mistrusting kid, me. You talked to me. Even though I knew they were talking to me and I twisted it, right? There were Christian, right, guys, you know what it is. When you're an outcast kid coming from the South, if you're like me, and then the pretty girl talks to you and you're like, they, you're just having pity on me. But over time, they continue to do it and you're like, well, why are you still talking to me? What a power you ladies have and you don't even realize it. And I'm not even talking romantically. The power to speak life into, into men or to treat them like trash, right? But that's what you're training because men are garbage. They're dangerous. Accept the fact that you are holy, called, that you're an ambassador, Scripture says, of Christ. Think about if you went to work and Jesus talked to you today, he said, listen, I'm going to send you over here to build our us, okay? I want you to go and tell them about the kingdom. Tell them I'm coming. Tell them that they can either decide to accept it now or they're going to be against it, but I am coming. You're it. You're the only ambassador I'm sending there. Make sure to tell them. You got it, Jesus, and then you went there and never said a word. 
Is that a very good ambassador? No. Tell them about it and show them. Guys, you don't have to be perfect. Stop being fake perfect. Be you. Be light. Be salt. Look for opportunities. Accept the fact that you're holy called an ambassador of Christ and then live like it in all things. This is tangible advice. This is a human thing. Uh, I'll use facial expressions, but you can substitute this anything. You know, it's become a thing in our in our culture of, I hate to even use this word. Don't look it up. RBF, right? Resting badger face. Okay, and in this, you are you're angry. And if I come and say you got a grumpy face, you're gonna go. That's the way my face is. Okay, great. I punch you in the face. That's the way my fist is. That's not how it works. That's just a simple example of if, the, if multiple people tell you the same thing, shouldn't you consider it to, to possibly be true? You know what it shows that you are if you can't do that? You're delusional, right? If 10 people tell you the same thing, man, you really look angry today. It happens to me. I, the first person, I'm like, I'm not angry. By the time I get from my office to the back room, five people have said, I was like, I might have to accept I look angry today. Or I can go, I just can't believe they're so delusional. like I was Mario. Anyway, <laughs> live like it in all things. Bring the kingdom. Here's your, here's your phrase if you're taking notes. Bring the kingdom into all situations. What's the kingdom? Go listen to the series, but you're a part of it in Christ. Bring the kingdom into the domain. Bring the light into the darkness. Bring the love into the hate. Bring the peace into the chaos. Bring the joy into the misery. Bring the grace into the unforgiveness. Bring the hope to the hopeless. Touch the untouchables. See the invisibles. Be Christ. And, and this, 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 is, this verse is so interesting. I'm going to wrap it up with this one, okay, in the same process. So you know it's everywhere. 1 Corinthians 10.31. But some of you know it. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything you do should be done for the glory of God. Where'd you get that light? Why do you shine and I don't? Everything you do should be done for the glory of God. So, so ready for some examples? What does the way you speak say about God? Would it cause people to praise God? Is the way you speak, would it cause people to give praise to Jesus and worship him? I'm not just, oh, well, I don't cuss. Yeah, but you're mean and harsh and hateful. What about your work ethic? Are you lazy? Does that cause people? Think about it. Are you the lazy guy at work or are you the one that works hard and people go, why does that guy always go in the extra mile? Because I serve you because of the example of my king. What's your work ethic say about it? Does it give glory to God? Does it cause people to want to follow that God? Does it make people believe that you love them or care about them? What about your diet and the way you treat your body? You don't have to have a six-pack to care about yourself. What about relationships? Does it, if someone saw your relationship and the way you acted, not your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you I can't tell you how many of you live in a world where your actions are justified because your spouse or other one is worse than you. You real bad too. Cow poop and dog poop both stink. All right? 
Just a matter of preference, which smells worse? It's dog poop. I just said poop <laughs> like four times. Diet and the way you treat relationships. What about the way you dress? And before you think it, ladies are like, he's talking about modesty. I'm not. I mean, that's an easy one. I'm talking about do you walk around and show your value and worth by the way you take care of yourself? Why would someone take you seriously? You walk around like this with pants that are falling off, holes in your legs, no underwear on. Right, we know. I'm serious. You don't have to wear Armani, okay, to show you care about yourself. To put effort into it because what does that say? You're the son or daughter of a king. That's why they don't take you seriously when you speak. Does your life reflect the glory of God and bring glory and honor to his name? If it doesn't, just start living like it. And I promise you, your life will not feel like a rerun. It won't. You don't believe me, Josh. Do it. See, Josh is cool with that secretly. This is why you don't talk to me anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. If not, live like it. Live like it and see what happens. What do you have to lose? You're already living in Groundhog Day. Try something different. So, purpose and passion. I believe if you live as though you're salt of the earth, light of the world, sitting on a hill, it will bring you passion because you go, man, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bad man. <laughs> I'm a bad woman. I'm, I'm, I'm an ambassador. He chose me to go build our us, right? He chose me. He did. You understand that? He could Listen, you say you believe in God. Could God have brought Moses back to go to build our us? Could he have brought uh, Paul back to lead the ministry that you're supposed to? Yeah, he could have. Instead, he chose you. Of all the people in all time, in all creation, he chose you. And some of you are like, I'm garbage. (laughs) You're not. So, that's your your, your passion will come from that if you live out of your purpose. So, what's your purpose? Well, I already told you. Your purpose is to spread the good news of the gospel and be an ambassador. Light. Bring that light to the dark. So, I'm going to give you a list. You know, I, I got you. You love the list, right? Yeah. No? Listen, we don't have to do lists anymore. I only do that for you. I only do that for you. Literally, sometimes I'm done with the message. I'm like, done. I'm like, oh, stinking list. Just kidding. If it helps, well, it's helpful. Here it is. Living with purpose and passion. Nice. That was seamless. Living with purpose and passion. Number one, how to do this. Remember you are created in the very image of God. And then ask yourself, does your life reflect that fact? Live like it. Live like that you are created in the image of God. And have a little swag. Todd, um, church teaches that humility is self-hatred. That's not true. Self-hatred is still rebellion. Because God doesn't hate you. God's given your worth. So when you go, I'm garbage, you're just saying God's wrong. Walk with a little swag in your step. Older people confidence. Younger people that you've moved on to the new word that isn't swag, I don't know what it is. Fire lit. Uh, (laughs) Remember that you're created in the very image of God and then live like it. Walk into that. See, the beauty comes not from you. People are going to respond when they see a confident person that still loves, that still serves. 
that speaks and, and brings all those things. That's what happens. Well, that's not my personality. I don't care. My personality might be to never work and have you serve me, but that doesn't go. God has given your purpose, okay? Remember that. Live in that. Write it down. Like it, that's, I didn't make that up to make you feel good. You are made in the image of God. Made them in his image, male and female. He created them. Let that sink in. Do you live like you're made in the image of God? That you are an ambassador of his kingdom, the only representation of him to some people. There are people in your life, I'm telling you right now, you are the only Christ they know. Do not assume they know someone else that knows Jesus. Do not assume that the Jesus someone else showing them is the Jesus of the Bible. Bring light, light into dark situations and moments. Bring kindness into hate, grace into unforgiveness. In every situation, live like a lamp in a dark room, a city on a hill, and the only tasty thing in a very bland and disgusting soup. Live that way. Be different. In tangible ways, be different and holy. Stop trying to go along to get along. Remnant folk, we talk about being a culture setter. I'm sick and tired of hearing it if you're not willing to be different. If you can't be different in this church, you sure as heck aren't going to do it outside these walls. Live different and holy and good. Stop focusing on your failures. Stop it. Stop it. You self-idolization again. Every time you focus on your own failures, you're still worshiping yourself. Pick yourself up, dust your knees off, and keep going. And as you go, bring light. Number two, live the epic. Bring the dream, the kingdom. Here, you ready for a movie? King has children. The children are fooled into rebelling against the king by an evil general. They're then banished from the kingdom. They forget where they're from, infected with the disease to die. Then the king sends the prince, their big brother, to come die for them infuse them with supernatural power and then give them a a quest to then tell other people so that they can all come back home. Oh, by the way, all along the way, you have an enemy that's going to be attacking you, shooting arrows at you, lying to you, spies all over the place. And you are the only people that have the hope, that remember where the kingdom is, that can find your way back home. How many people are you going to take with you? That's the, that's the greatest. I would watch that right now. Right? I was watching something the other day, yesterday, and a guy made a good point. Lord of the Rings, yeah, you watched that for eight hours. Here's the plot. Hobbit, take ring, throw in volcano. That's it. That's it. And we go like, that's an epic. That is the story. Everything else is just what happens along the way. You are living a far more epic tale. Let that sink in. Some of you have just become too 21st century. Well, that's not realistic. The only realistic thing is my pension. No, it isn't. Pensions are fine, by the way. If you want a pension, I'm just saying. Life is more than that. Live the epic and bring the kingdom. Oof, that could be a book. Bring the kingdom. Bring it. You like that? Bring it. Take it to them. And when you walk out, you're like, yeah, I'm ready. How about you do something different when you walk out today? How about you, you don't just say, yeah, amen, because that's what every Christian in America would say. Yeah, we're going to do that. Why don't we do it? There has never been a time, well, I've been alive, and, and I've got some friends that are older that can tell you the same, that, this, that the country has been crazier, okay, which means more open to truth. 
because they've realized that everything they've put their hope in is shifting and changing, and it's scary. It's a very dark world right now. It needs some light. Bring the light. Live the epic. Wake up every day if you've got to. Make a sign on your, on your roof that says live the epic and remind yourself you're living this. You're living Lord of the Rings, except it's even better because you're not just a, you know, a small person taking a ring and throwing it in a fire. Okay? By the way, I love Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> Number three, kind of the same. All right? Live the epic, bring the kingdom. Accept your calling and tell them the good news. So you've accepted you're living the epic. Now you've got to do something. Imagine the book where it's like, Frodo, you're the hope of the world. Take the ring and throw it. And he's like, yes, I will. And then he just sits down and smokes a pipe for the rest of the movie. And then he walks out in the Shire. A bunch of you are like, you are so nerdy, Todd. Fine. Substitute. Yeah, I can see the smiles of the guys who are like, this dude's a nerd. Whatever movie you want, he's setting a place on fire. And you're like, this is fine. Too bad nobody can take care of this. If only someone would have thrown that ring in there. Right? That's a pipe. <laughs> I did that for a really long time, too. Accept your calling and tell them the good news as you go. If you haven't told someone this week, which I guarantee is probably 98% of the people in this room, I'm being, I'm being honest. What are you going to do different? Who, who, you know, will you, and don't make it like you stress yourself out. Like, what am I going to say? What are, hey, man. Like, the opportunities come. You know they do. Pray for them. Father, show me. What do you mean? Talk to God and he'll direct you? Yes, it's real. Live it. Accept your calling and as you go. Number four, live intentionally and unashamed. In order to do that, you got to accept that you've been living a timid, ashamed life. I always tell people, sometimes people are like, Todd, why are you making me admit these bad things about myself? Because that's the truth. And when you get rid of the lie, when we pull the shame out, then we can heal and accept reality and change. A coward will never be brave if he believes he's being brave. Accept the fact that you're living ashamed. How are you living ashamed? What ways? And how will you change that today? How will you walk out of here and say, I am no longer going to be ashamed in the way I'm not ashamed of Jesus? Because that's it. If you're ashamed of the gospel, you're ashamed of Jesus Christ. And don't you think that you're going to be the one that goes, I'll never deny your name. You might not. There are people that are scared, you know. But some of you in the room, it's not going to take a gun to your head. It's going to say, um, you can't keep your job. <laughs> How many people would walk away from Christ if we just said, you're going to lose your job if you don't deny Christ? Oh, I got my pension in three weeks. That's scary to me. Man, some of you angry folk, if I were just down there, I can see your faces, and I just want to come down and talk to you in person and be like, why are you mad? But I can't. Because that would be so weird. But just know, like, why are you mad? Why? I have not said your name. I have not said your name. He's like, well, you said angry person. Aha! You just admitted you're angry. I didn't say it. Right? Man. It's because you want to live a rerun? You're mad that I'm telling you life's more than you've been accepting? I love you. If I didn't love you, I'd let you stay in it. She's going to come play some music. I want you to ask yourself this, the number four real quick, because I didn't ask the question. This simple question, right? Oh, how do I live in shame? It's easy. What would life, if you, if you wrote it down, okay, Todd, Todd's life would look like this if he was unashamed of the gospel. 
Here's what would be different. You could do that. You could make a tangible note in your phone. If I was not scared of what people think, if I was not ashamed of the gospel and of Jesus, this is what it would look like tomorrow. What would your life look like if, if you were not ashamed of the gospel? And then live it. If you didn't get inspired one time today, you're not listening. I always want to remember that corny phrase that Chris Loft said, and I can't. If that didn't get your fire going, your wood's wet or something, you remember that, guys, that used to be here? I never remember it. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I never got it either, but it seems fitting. Hi, Chris. You know, are you living an epic or are you living a rerun? Are you just doing Groundhog Day, doing the same thing every day and maybe changing some small things, but it still ends up with you doing the same thing every day? Is this it? You're like, well, maybe if I get that guy, life will be different. I'm not saying that's bad. It can be if you're looking for a partner in an adventure. That job, yeah, that can be awesome. Because, you know, the higher you go, the more influence you have, isn't it? Can you imagine? That's why we love as Christians when celebrities and powerful people become believers. Because it's not because we just want to be like, yeah, they, we're cool too, some people. What it really has to do is the influence. Are you living in an epic or a rerun? Do you bring glory to God's name? I'm asking you. If it was the book of you and I read it, does it inspire me to put my faith in Christ? Overall, you might have down ups and downs, right? We all do, but all the books do. Do I see Christ in it, or do I just see a person like it's a footnote at the end, and then they went to church, and the next day they hated their spouse? Do you bring glory to God's name? Is your life a living sacrifice? You know, there's people, you are like, man, my life, I screwed it up so much to this point. That's exactly why God can call you to speak to people that I'll never be able to talk to. It's, it's the truth. He could choose anyone. Do you know he chose you to be here today? I chose to. Yeah, I know. But how many times could you, I mean, how many ways did you think about not coming? All these people, you're here for a purpose. Life can be more than it is, guys. And I, listen, I haven't, I'm not going to promise that I live there all the time. I don't. I fall into Groundhog Day too, but I promise you this. I, 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 most of the time, for me, I believe this, and that makes me passionate. How can you not be? How can you not be passionate? That's not my personality. You were dead, and now you're alive. is incredible. Tell people. You know, the gospel oftentimes starts with your story, right? The old triangle where my story and God's story collide and then I connect it to their story. You heard this? Someone out there needs to hear it. Well, I don't know anything. You know what I just told you today. You were dead and now you're alive. Accept who you are. Live the truth. Bring the kingdom be light in the small ways too. I'm not just talking the big with the small ways. Stop looking for the ways that you can blend in and look for the ways you can stand out. Am I allowed to do this? The fact you're asking means there's some voice in your head saying, I probably shouldn't do that. That's it. 
told you the gospel earlier when I explained the epic, but if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, today is a really epic part of your book. It's the part where you get told where you're really from and who your father really is. And you've probably been told before, kind of, but today's the day when you get an opportunity to say, I want to be alive again. I want light in my dark life. I want salt in my soup, if that's your thing. (laughs) I want to change. The Father is telling you today, I chose you. You're not a mistake. You're not the things you've done wrong. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I want you to come home. And I have made a way that you can come home. And I will forgive you of your past. And I will secure your future. And I will love you eternally. And I will never let go of you. It doesn't matter if the world condemns you. It doesn't matter who condemns you. I will never let you go. But if you want to come home, you have to admit that you made a mistake. You have to admit that your way is not the right way. You have to admit that you sinned, that you've chosen other things over him. You have to kneel at the foot of your father and say, I'm sorry. I want what you have to offer. I need someone to help me get there. Please. What's the help? Jesus Christ came to pay for all those mistakes that haunt you, all the sin, all the hurt, all the brokenness. It's real. I'm not lying to you. Jesus existed. He came down from the kingdom. He showed us how to live. He showed us where you're from and I'm from. And then he made a way for us to go home. And in the meantime, he says, tell your brothers and sisters about home. Tell them about who their father is because there's people lying to them about who their father is. There's people telling them lies about the kingdom. It'd be hard enough, right, if they were just an enemy saying it's not real, but you have people telling them lies. Your sins can be forgiven. Your weight can be taken away. Guys, I'm not lying. When I was saved in a room like this, way more filled, and I raised my hand, and they made me go in a room, and, and Jack remembers this. He's in the room. He said, how do you feel? You remember this? And all I said was, I feel lighter. <laughs> That's the only way I know how to explain it. Aren't you tired of living in the dark, of bumping into things? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine. You know it's true. Don't think of all the reasons it's not. You know it. In your heart of hearts, that voice that's saying something's something's different here, that's called the Holy Spirit. It's God himself speaking to you today. Now, the hardest part's coming because you got to respond to it. God won't force anyone back into the kingdom. He won't force anyone back into the home. You have to choose it. So how do you do it? You believe him. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Why, I've got this addiction, and I've got this this habit, and I've got to kick, it doesn't matter. Because on the cross, he's taken it all. He offers you this, I'll take all of your mistakes, past, present, and future, your sin, your brokenness, I will take it all, and I will give you the benefits of my spotless, perfect life. So when the Father, when the King looks at you, he doesn't see your dirtiness, he sees Jesus' cleanliness. He sees Jesus' perfection. You can have that today. And what comes with that? Peace, joy. It's real. Is it easier? No. But it's better. It's the best. You want to settle for even good? 
or do you want the best life? There's going to be people up here. I get it. I get it. It's weird. (laughs) It's going to feel weird. There's people up here in the room who were ready to pray with you. Now, this is weird. You can pray with the person next to you. You can come find me. I'm wandering around in the dark like Batman. That's fine. Come and find me. But there's something to be said. Confess with your lips. You've got to say it. Because if you're not willing to say it, you're ashamed, aren't you? Take this opportunity. If you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I've accepted Christ. I'm going to heaven. If I die today, I would be accepted in the kingdom. Don't leave here without doing that. Whether you ask your friend, these people, I promise you, I don't trust anyone. And I trust them. They are trustworthy people. They will pray with you. They will show you. It doesn't take magic words, but it does take words. Whatever you do today, friends, don't leave without realizing who you are and whose you are and the incredible, incredible epic that you're living in. And if you're in the room today and you're a believer and you haven't been living that epic, in fact, you've been living in the shadows in the dark, why don't you repent today? You know what that means. Why don't you turn away? Why don't you come get prayer? If you say, I don't know what to do, The Bible says praying together is a powerful thing. Whatever you do, respond to God. Don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.